This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live... F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, powered by SpannersReady.com. Hire us to produce your podcast by going to SpannersReady.com forward slash hire us. Today's episode is called The Curious Case of the Turn One Puddle. Joining me tonight in the podcasting shed... And his friend Trumpets talking through the podcast, laughing back and forth with what the Udden has to say. Reminiscing this and that, having such a good time. Oodle oodle golly, what a day. It's Matt. Two rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Ah, it's going pretty good there. You know, I, I there was a race today. Yeah, it was alright. Some people said it was boring, but I had a jolly good time. Well, you know. I'll be honest, if you compared it to last week's race, it kind of was boring because we didn't have that fight at the front. But it was also kind of not boring because we had typical British summer weather. Did you not see the bit where Hamilton won? What more do you want? Which is everything but typical British summer and weather combined. Yeah. And after last week being accused of being too pro-Hamilton, I got a fair bit of abuse in the week for... Uh, actually, it was all Hippo's fault for saying bad things about Lewis Hamilton, but he put it on my website and I got, I got attacked by a furious Hamilton fan who said, how can you, how can you criticize such a wonderful man? Well, for entertainment purposes only, of course. Yeah, exactly. Clickbait. What more do you want from me? Help a brother out. Have a click. <laughs> so here we are. We're Sunday night giving you a race review just after the race is finished. We might be wrong, but we're first. For those of you just finding us, we are an independent podcast hosted by SpannersReady.com, 
the home of Dad Hub Podcast, F1 Articles, and very shortly, Formula E Stuff 2. We can be found on iTunes and Podcatcher. Unfortunately, we are no longer available on the Judge 13 feed. That was a temporary arrangement that has come to the end. Um, this podcast is not run by or associated with the judge13.com website. A little more on that later. But for now, your race review before your Monday morning commute will be safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can listen with kids in the background. So that's the housekeeping out of the way. Details on how to join the conversation later. Joining us tonight, see the youngs, Matt, Chris Stevens. He lets down. He got his work schedule wrong and he couldn't watch the race. So we need an old hand. An old hand on the tiller, Vortex Mortio. Thanks for joining us and stepping in. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. Don't lie. Just because you look like a handsomer, younger Ted Danson doesn't mean that you can just flatter me with praise. Oh, uh, well, uh, flattery uh, often gets me nowhere, but it's always worth a try. But thanks again. And uh, we do have a young person who managed to get his things in order. We have Ryan Ferret Ferris from Downforce Radio, commentator at Castle Coombe. Yeah, hi guys. Enthusiastic as always. Don't be fooled by his lack of enthusiasm. Once the race cars are going, he absolutely loses it. I tell people you're a good commentator, Ryan. And then whenever I introduce you, you just go, Hi, so unfair. You're not my parents. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a teenager. You know, we're supposed to be miserable for this short period. And then we get miserable in our later lives. But, well, enjoy your evening of hanging out with miserable old men. Well, we go onto a thing we like to call pre-race tidbits. Remember, you can join the podcast on the live stream at spannersready.com forward slash live stream. We have a phone number that will go through to the Skype call. It's 0115-888-APEX. Call anytime. Try your luck. We'll answer and uh, quickly unanswer if you sound strange. So this is the bit Tony normally does. Did anyone catch the Channel 4 preview where Steve Jones, who I am increasingly liking because he is being unapologetically as Steve Jones as possible. I think he started to take the attitude of, yes, it was a mistake to hire Steve Jones for Channel 4, but that's hardly Steve Jones's fault. Uh, so, so he actually he was talking about the rules of engagement for the Mercedes boys. And he turns to Mark Webber and says, Mark, you've punted the odd teammate here and there. <laughs> and there was a, discern a discernible pause from Mark Webber as he decided how he was going to take that. <laughs> well, I, I don't know him at all, but honestly, I have to love him after hearing that remark. Yeah, it was good. And I tell you what, Mark Webber, as a pundit on Channel 4, I, I guess, Ryan, you're the only one who's watched the Channel 4 stuff. He was fantastic all weekend on the commentary. Uh, um. I, I guess he was, but uh, I watch it on uh, Sky Sports F1. Ooh, you know. la di da! I can throw money at the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I take the free one whenever it's available, and uh, and then pay my six ninety nine on a race weekend. Uh, all right, then. So it's just me watching the channel for. No, Mark Webber was fantastic. I've never been a fan of his. I've always thought he was a bit of a a bit of well, you know, like trumpets. You know, just a bit just generally angry at the world but no he was a fantastic commentator and I, and I hope we do more did you catch though Matt uh, Claire Williams avoided complimenting Felipe Massa because they were saying who would you like to see uh, as a young dynamic driver joining the Williams lineup and he goes you've got all these these young guys I want to see someone young and dynamic and and Claire Williams goes well we've got Valtteri Bottas he's young and dynamic so you know you know it's all very positive and that we were yes. like waiting for that. Please also mention Massa. Well, Massa being neither young nor 
Well, I, he might be dynamic, at least out of the car, but you know. We'd have to see some evidence, wouldn't we? And then <laughs> onto some more racy things. Rosberg misses the entire of FP2. Now, I was hoping Chris Stevens was going to be here because he insisted that, that that really hurt him, whereas I'm not sure how much it did. Well, my, my opinion about that is that it could have potentially hurt him in the race, but given the circumstances the race was actually run in, I don't think it had a big difference. And they share their data anyway. It would have been, they wouldn't have got quite as much data as they want. Um, but I don't think it made a big difference to him. The cars were really dialed in at Silverstone. Both the Mercedes were. This seems to be like the track that suits them the best out of all the different types of tracks we've seen the cars on. Do you want to talk about the rules of engagement at all? Because that really was the... Big Dirty News. Seemed like they weren't really saying anything at all before that it was kind of like well if they do bad things we will consider doing an unspecified level of discipline it sounded like we can't let toto kick off like that without it looking like we're doing something but actually who cares we're a million points ahead well i don't know how anyone else feels about it but to me the whole punishing the driver same thing seemed to be a bit of a dog and pony show for the corporate bigwigs back home in Stuttgart or wherever the hell Mercedes is and cuz if you think about it like from a logical point of view what are you going to do are you going to stand a driver down well no then you're losing points you're hurting yourself doesn't seem to make very much sense are you going to put one driver you're going to say it's your fault and yeah. i will charge you for all of the damage and labor for the entire accident well no that doesn't seem to be really very clever either because then that driver will be paranoid and then you're going to create internal divisions in the team you don't really want to do that so the only thing i can see that makes any sense at all is you might give them a miss to let one of your young drivers come in for a practice session but i think your point about FB2 stands to reason. It wouldn't really make much difference to them, to be honest, to you, because they share the data anyway. I think the best thing they could do, and, and I take this from my years uh, in, in the dad profession, it'd be like you just have to punish them both equally. So I think the, I think probably what we've said to them, okay, if there's another smash, we're going to tot up all the labor and parts. We're going to split the bill equally, and you're both going to have to pay it. And you can both miss a race, and we're going to have Harry Anto and Verline in for one race. Uh, yeah, it's, it's bad, isn't it? I feel bad for my kids. Like, if you fight over a toy, you both get the toy taken away, even when it's clearly one of theirs' fault. You just go, no, the, the fact isn't whose fault it was. The fact is that you were fighting over it in the first place. Exactly. What do you think, Ken? No, I think that's a pretty good analysis, really. It, it... I don't know. The, I thought the most interesting thing I saw that come out of that, though, was some people say, well, that may well favor Hamilton. And uh, I I kind of wonder if that's true and that it seems like we're seeing Lewis dig deeper uh, and that he really wants it. And Nico seems to be a little desperate at times when, I don't know, when he's surprised on track, right, you know, and he's not doesn't seem to think twice, I guess, uh, type of thing. And so 
I just wonder if that's going to cause Nico to think twice in the wrong direction. Whereas I think Hamilton, he's, he doesn't care about the money so much. He's gaming for the championship. That's like, he seems to me to be super focused about that. Yeah. So it might be advantage Hamilton in that whole deal. But what do you guys think? Well, I think if it advantages Hamilton. Ryan, you're not as biased as me, though. Before we move to qualifying, Ryan, what's your take on it? Well, I think, yeah, it would favour Hamilton. as um, uh, It sort of goes back to, uh, really, Hamilton started his F1 career in a car that's been capable of winning championships. There's only really been one season where he hasn't had a car that's not capable of winning a title, where Rosberg's only just really starting to grasp the fact that he's got a car or for the last couple of years, he's had a car that's capable of winning the title. So it's almost as if he's a brand new driver because it, you have to sort of, as a uh, being able to win the title, you got to look at things differently to I'm in the midfield where Rosberg spent the beginning of his career. Yeah. So, yeah, so definitely, definitely Lewis has got the experience in a title fight. But you have to start with qualifying. The live stream will often contain images of older gentlemen making obscene hand gestures. Miss Apex would like to apologise for anyone that was offended by what Matt just did. I didn't see you trying to get in. I was trying to move to qualifying. Would you like to get that point in? Right. Well, to me, what's interesting about all of these episodes, if you look at every one of them, you were in a situation where one of the cars wasn't functioning as intended in Spain. And again, we just happened in Austria with uh, Rosberg's brakes. And that kind of goes to Mercedes reliability issues a bit. But you have a driver without a completely competent car trying to defend against a driver who is faster. This is where all of these contacts come from. And even you could put it down in Canada to the clutch yeah. of, of Hamilton. And what strikes me about that is that at the end of the day, Mercedes essentially said in a situation like that, they are going to impose team orders. Say one of the cars is damaged. And the million dollar question is, are they going to say, well, Rosberg, your brakes are fried. Therefore, Lewis, you can't pass him. Or are they going to say, Rosberg, your brakes are fried. You have to let the other car pass. That's the question I can't wait to get the answer to. That's true. And Senior Trowel in the chat room, which I'm having to do myself because Tony's not here, says Brundle tried to push Toto to say whether he'd stand down hashtag, hashtag 44 for a race if he did wrong. And Toto wouldn't or couldn't say he would because I, I really I think this is a very toothless uh, threat. Someone's asking what country you're from, Matt. And you're, you've replied New York, which isn't a country as much as you would want it to be. I <laughs> know it's not really a country. It would be the United States of America. But they do tend to treat us like we don't quite belong to them most of the time. They're jealous of your pizza. Chicago doesn't hold it. New York does. Hey, the kid found the light switch this week, says the fat hippo. Yeah, it's good for people to actually see your face, Ryan. Also horrifying. And DK Wilson, woohoo, I'm catching the full Spanners Ready experience. DK Wilson, I can't tell whether you like me or not. Because one time we're chatting nicely and saying lovely things about me. And the, the next time you're writing a thousand word, incredibly well-written comments telling me why I'm wrong. So, uh, so come on, show me a bit more love. Or, I don't know, write for SpannersReady.com. Heard you've got some experience, DK. And uh, Poo Palop 82 
Oh, Papalup2082, I don't know much about F1, but enjoy watching Spanners. He's dreamy. Early contender for comment of the week. Let's go on to qualifying. Uh, the big thing about qualifying, really, apart from the fact that Hamilton was just that bit faster, Mercedes were immensely faster than everyone else, is the issue, again, of deleted times and track limits. It's amazing how many people cried foul that Hamilton should have his last, his qualifying lap deleted as well uh, for going wide at turn seven. But it was, of course, just turn nine. Um, Oh, I've forgotten it now. I should have... If 15 I'm gonna... and 18 club cops and still. Yeah, Ryan? Well, I think prior, uh, before that, we had the whole hoo-ha with Button and Mag- uh, Magnuson because right. Magnus- quite clearly Magnuson went over the line and he should have had his lap taken away, but it seemed almost as if that the stewards spent so much time dilly-dallying, um, they sort of said, ah, can't be bothered, we've we've let in too far into the qualifying session, let Magnussen go, and I think that was sort of a shame, because I think being the British Grand Prix, we should have had Button out there, because he was meant to be, because Magnussen broke the rule and went over the line. You can't judge it by where the where the race is, Matt. Well, let's be fair. Button wasn't out there because McLaren failed to properly secure the rear wing to the car. (laughs) Oops. That's kind of a bad thing to forget. Almost as bad as leaving the rear wheel off the car before you let your driver out of the pit box. But I might be getting out of myself. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Only fools and Renaults, eh? but, but, But Vortex, you and I had a little bit of a Twitter chat about track limits and properly enforcing them. And you seem to have a bit of an opinion there. Well, yeah. So, you know, ironically, this uh, race happened on the same weekend as Wimbledon and people were making comments about, gee, maybe they should get some of those line judges, you know, to come over and help out. And it, I think it highlights the ridiculousness of the current system of using runoffs or these little uh, installing big uh, curbs so that they launch the cars up into the air and maybe see if they can do a barrel roll or whatever they're trying to do with Rocket those. Why not style. just go ahead and and uh, design the course properly, uh, have a low-grip surface such as, I don't know, greased pavement or grass or gravel. You only need a lane of it so that if a car drops a wheel off, um, he's going to lose traction. He's going to lose time. Ultimately, you know, that's really all you need to do to eliminate this silliness with the line judges. Just a complete waste of time. It's not racing, looking at slow-mo of cars traveling over white lines. I quite like what happens in computer games where, I think it was the old F1 game, where basically if you exceeded track limits, you just lost revs until you got back on the track. And I don't think that that's a difficult technology to do. Um especially if it's only at certain corners where you say, right, well, these are the places we think you're going to get an advantage. It's very easy to set up a sensor either within the car or without that, that, that says you are too far over the track limits and sets off some kind of rev limiter, not too dissimilar to the pit lane limiter. Matt, you don't like that? No, I, I was going to go with, I, I like the old school solution of the low grip surface. That means the driver has to get, out of it like if you're all for off one of your wheels is low grip and you can't keep your foot planted till you get back off of it i think that's entirely fine solution but even short of that how is it not possible to put sensors on the corners of the car 
and have an automatic call. Just bang, there it is, all four off, time deleted. Why do we have to wait until five minutes till the next session starts? Eight minutes, nine minutes, 10 minutes. Oh, you know, we will get around to, well, maybe they was off, but eh, yeah, the next session started. It didn't help. People are already confused because it was only three corners. And the strict enforcement, there seemed to be a little bit back and forth about it, was only for qualifying. And that was pre-agreed upon by the drivers in the driver's meeting. It was those three corners strictly enforced. Uh, Okay. And while you find the next subject you want to go to, Matt, I will just, I love the chat room. This is why Tony is constantly grinning on the Skype call. I'm like, I'm trying to find out why. I've been accused of having a fake account. Why are you here under the pseudonym uh, up 82 How dare you? Uh... Uh, DK Wilson is confirming that he loves me. Oh, how I adore people adoring me. Um, he's also saying Verstappen got away with going over the lines as well. I didn't see that. Uh, in the end, though, they were only enforcing three corners. Okay. Um, Epilepto says, I heard Spanners likes to boo the other kids at his son's sports day. Okay. So there's someone who follows my Twitter feed. Uh, we'll come to that later. <laughs> uh, all right, Matt, uh, what else about qualifying? Well, uh, I think Rosberg took it in Q1, and then Q2, Hamilton smashed the track record. Like, he was a good, was it three, three and a half tenths up on the the all-time lap record at Silverstone, which, again, is pretty impressive for the third year of the... Yeah. yeah. Do you remember how upset everyone was, and they were... Like they were talking about the caterers being slower than GP2 cars and everyone was just being so short-sighted, not realizing the potential. But now these cars are quick, looking to get even quicker for next year. Um, but that aside, I mean, Hamilton's lap when it got deleted, he was, he's normally, um, if, if they say the natural gap is a couple of tenths, his deleted time was something like three and a half tenths up, wasn't it? So as a Hamilton fan, as there were a lot in the British crowd, no one was really nervous when he got that time deleted. We were just kind of all fingers crossed that there wasn't like yellow flags and such like. It, it was pretty much an open goal still. Yeah, well, I was talking about his Q2 time, which is where he oh, actually right. broke the record. Uh, but what was exciting in Q2 was uh, Kimi Raikkonen, which brings us to the subject of Ferrari in qualifying. And and poor old Kimi had just, he had the worst time of it getting out there and getting a time in. And when he, he finally managed to get one in, but with a hugely flat spotted set of tires, which I'm sure didn't help his race, would, would not have helped his race start <laughs> had the weather not intervened. Oh yeah, he got away with that, didn't he? He had an appalling qualifying because that was my instant tweet. Good decision, Ferrari. Nice one. <laughs> well done. Uh, the Cartist, 72. Maybe a little extreme, but landmines placed one car's width off the circuit would definitely stop them. Or do I play too many video games? That's impossible. You can't. That's a valid option. Well, so let me let me just interrupt, though. I, I just uh, my understanding of that technical solution that uh, you and Matt are discussing as well. Landmines. Sen- yeah. Sensors being placed oh, on sensors. the cars and identifying whether or not a car moves uh, too far off the track or whatnot, right? You know, understanding is the technology is not yet precise enough to um, implement that, which is why... No, I don't think that's true, but carry on. Well, that's 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 my understanding um, of, of that, which is why, if it was true, I think we'd see much more discussion of that at a technical level, and we haven't seen that. It's not really much different from 
Okay, Hawkeye's a bad example in cricket, but it's not too much different from ice hockey. It, it's I'm an electronics engineer, and I wouldn't want to claim to be an expert at being an electronics engineer, but it does seem certainly certainly technically possible and not prohibitively expensive. But I'll get into a fight with anyone about that if they want to nerd out on some electronics. Matt, should we move on to the race, or you got some more qualifying stuff? Well, two things. One, got to mention Carlos Sainz. Nice job yet again. But I think the larger issue of Ferrari has to sort of come up because they did not look very good at this racetrack at all. And I'm starting to get the impression that the pendulum might have swung a little bit in Red Bull's favor at this point. I was wondering if anyone else agreed or disagreed with that. Yeah, I'll definitely uh, agree. I think I think this track showed a primary weakness, which is I I don't know. I people say James Allison is, you know, a major asset for Ferrari, but the the weakness was uh downforce. Uh and this track really highlights that in those faster turns and uh they were weak there. Uh people trackside were saying you could see Ferrari, they were fighting it through the faster turns, whereas Red Bull and uh, Mercedes were able to stick uh, better in the faster turns. And this really, they have the horsepower. I think they have the motor that that should put them up there. I think it's, and they have the budget that they should have effective, effective aerodynamics. What, the money that they have, that car should not be functioning the way it is. Matt, and that's why sorry. I'm concerned. Sorry, Ken. Matt, you're trying to get my attention. I can't see what you're air writing. I was trying to air write chat room because they've made the world's best suggestion for enforcing track limits. Go for it. They make fences, says MG5904. For dogs like that, collar emits a shock when the dog passes over buried electrical line. Maybe something to consider for drivers. Oh. And the Carter 72 replies, electrified Hans devices. And I think perhaps we have cracked the code on this, gentlemen. So it's like Escape from New York with Kurt Russell in his collar. <laughs> <trying to> get... <laughs> hey, enough of this. Come on. It's race time. Best sign in Silverstone was, I think, at the end of the start-finish straight that simply said, Nico, caution, corner ahead, don't forget to turn, hashtag hammer time. <laughs> yeah, that's what the Brits do best, man. I thought the best sign was brought to you by a Libris Books. Excellent, excellent. Thanks for saving me once more. If we're ever going to make it as a professional outfit, it will be down to your professionalism. Alibris Books, please consider visiting our partner, Alibris Books. At Alibris, they have the biggest bestsellers to the hardest to find out of print rarities brought to you by thousands of booksellers around the world. Alibris is where your page turning prayers will be answered at amazingly low prices. So look around and let Alibris help you find your next favorite book. Click the link on my homepage, spannersready.com, scroll down and click for great deals. I think they, they're claiming 80%. Why not have a look, see how true that is, or see if it's just clickbait. Major talking point one of the race, the start, Matt. They started behind a safety car. We had to watch five laps of safety carness. Yes, it was very exciting. Uh, Mylander almost lost the safety car entirely at one point, and we very nearly saw Toto Wolff having to enforce his Mercedes decision, as at one point Lewis Hamilton almost collected the safety car as his brakes had gone rather cold 
<laughs> yeah. couldn't get the car to stop in time. I thought that's a brave lunge, but you know, the safety car, you know, he's not more than halfway across. So you've got to say the safety car owned that corner. You know, that was his corner. Uh, but did he leave racing room? You know, that's the question. But did you leave racing room? <laughs> yeah, but it was about five laps behind the safety car. And, uh, you know, given the amount of standing water on the track, I think it was probably the right decision in this in- instance, even though everyone will disagree with me hopelessly. But it's frustrating by the same token, because really all they were was a very expensive track drying machine for the first five laps. Youngin? Yeah, I find it frustrating because it seems that it's almost like every time we have a situation like this, it always seems like instead of them racing off and they're going to be on wets, it's like, oh yeah, I think we're time for Inters now. And then I found it funny that I think it was one of the engineers was making a comment to Hulkenberg when they were still going around the uh, safety car. I think it might have been a hint. I don't think he was serious. Is um, Nico, are we uh, are we ready for Slicks yet? And uh, I thought that was just brilliant. <laughs> I know. I love that way to take your job seriously, mate. I just I want to I want to know who that guy was because that was just a big that was a big hey Charlie, wasn't it? That's uh, speaking for the benefit of others. Uh, but Matt, on a slightly serious note, I think we're we're gonna have to put up with this for a little while. 2014 Japan where everyone said they shouldn't have started the race, they shouldn't have carried on. Obviously, those conditions were much, much worse. But given the severity of the outcome, we're going to have to put up with that scar and that caution from race control for a few more years yet. Well, at least till the legal actions are all settled, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, and I think that's just uh, that's just something... I, I couldn't judge them too harshly. I think when you... You've got to put it in that context when the safety car is out there. Um, but it would have been nice to see them go out on full wets because there was only one benefactor of those conditions up at the front of the pack, and that was that was Lewis Hamilton. He was away, and Rosberg was really struggling. Is it similar to how he was struggling in Monaco? Or, you know, it's just that same cycle where not getting heat into the tyres because you're not pushing hard enough. Yeah, and it's important to note that about halfway through the first lap, we already heard a radio call from Lewis complaining about how slow the safety car was going. And that's because the safety car has nowhere near the downforce of a Formula One car. And and it makes it impossible for the drivers at that speed to get temperatures into the tires and brakes. And then that can become a vicious circle that just reduces the handling of the car. I'll get back to you, Matt, but uh, Gary HTX in the chat has just come up with the best question. I wonder who would stop the field if Hamilton had taken out the safety car. How, how would they then slow the field down? <laughs> what would they do? I guess the question. I guess the medical car is there. Is there a separate med car? He would yeah, have there's to a co- separate med car. He would have to come out. He's not a touring because uh, that Burt guy in the safety car. He's like an ex DTM racer. He's like full on giving yeah. it some in the wet. Uh, I guess the medical guard driver would be someone like Gary Hartstein, just kind of going, I'll do my best, guys! <laughs> and, and it's a no, state car. <laughs> no, they have... My understanding is, um, I believe they have a backup car, but I think inevitably, if that were to actually happen, and we almost saw it with cold brakes, right? Uh, it would be yes. a red flag, you know, let's stop the grid, and uh, and regroup here, right? You know? It, yeah, of course, a, it would be a red flag. That's that, hilarious. Uh... That's a great now, question. Now you kind of make me want to see it happen someday. <laughs> see, people people question me when I said having a live chat room, what benefit would it add? There. 
There we go. And the chat room is really busy. So uh, thank you very much, all, uh, guys, for, for thinking this is a worthy way to spend an hour on your Sunday evening. For people doing podcast only, catch us at spannersready.com forward slash live stream. I try to put the live stream times in there. I'm terrible at it. If people could tweet me to remind me, that would be great. But I try and get it done by the Thursday of the previous week. Matt, who was the winners and losers when the safety car came in? It was pretty much inters, and it almost felt like it was definitely the right thing to come in. But for the leaders to come in would have been a big, big kind of psychological gamble. Yeah, and that's what it looked like. Like about to about P four, P five, and then people started peeling in the pits to toss enters on, and we almost had a few collisions as a result of the madness of trying to get back out as quickly as possible. Um. So, yeah, you know, you had your top four or five basically maintaining their place. And then you had a bunch of the midfield coming in to jump onto the inners because it seemed like the absolute best call. And I think that was around lap five. But then by lap seven, you had the leaders coming in because the wets were just no longer tenable. The sun was out, the track was dry, and they were losing performance rapidly. Well, when you say the sun was out, the sun was out for the U.K., as in you could see the sun through the clouds. It was cloud shine. Cloud shine. Okay, yeah. The sun was over the racetrack and it was the track was getting hotter at that point. But not quickly enough, I think, for Rosberg, which is where the whole Rosberg Verstappen thing began to kick off because he was he was disadvantaged not being able to get his car working as well as Hamilton was, which let Verstappen really get onto the back of him and, and track him down. Is this on wets or inters? This was on the inters. Okay, so once they'd come in. Yeah, no, that's where I was. That's where I was. I hadn't skipped that's, ahead. You hadn't skipped ahead. Okay, I thought you were skipping ahead because the free pit stop came when when Vettel was first in. And I think that was about lap 15. He was the first to put the medium tire on. And he went out immediately and set fastest lap, or about one lap later, he set fastest lap, then promptly spun going into Abbey. <laughs> so it was a case of, yes, it's faster, but. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember that, too, because, again, um, well, I'm losing track of the race a little bit. But, it, it, again, twice Mercedes stacked their pit stops. They had both drivers come properly in to change tires. But it was the virtual safety car that really caught the people out who pitted uh, on lap 15 or lap 16 ah, because okay. Sorry. it by slowing the race down, it essentially shaved 10 seconds off the pit stop for the people who had stayed out. And they all came in and took advantage of it. And in particular, Perez got in front of Ricardo, I remember, and Hulkenberg, too, got pretty severely waylaid by that. Yeah, Ryan. Yeah, I sort of think that because with the F1, when a virtual safety car comes out, it affects the entire like track. Where is it in Le Mans where they have like a, a sort of a slow zone for just like one sector, which I think they should do that because then it sort of means that like effectively the it, the excitement we were going to get of everyone saying, oh, yeah, we've gambled. We're going to try and get the undercut doesn't didn't happen because the entire track was just trundling around at, what is it, 50, 60 kilometers an hour, or effectively the pit lane spin, uh, limiter. 
So um, I think that that's something that they need to relook at, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's a little more complicated than that speed-wise. It's not just pit limiter, but you're right. Every sector is sort of limited to, uh, I think, a, a time delta that's uh, based on a percentage of uh, the average time through the sector. Um, but I, I agree with you, and I've always been surprised that they didn't just set that zone for where the incident was. I think they're arguing it's unfair. It potentially affects the race, but it's very clear here, looking at what happened at pit stop, that that keeping everybody at the same speed all the way around the track not only also affects the race, but it can make it more dangerous for the drivers because they start to lose temperatures in, in their brakes and tires again. Yeah, and uh, obviously that was the point where we saw, uh, I think that was the point we saw Verstappen when Rosberg emerges uh, emerges from the pit lane. Verstappen's ahead of Rosberg coming out of the uh, pit lane. So Rosberg's then got a fight past uh, what seemed to be a very quick um, Red Bull. Yeah, well, he'd, he'd already gotten round Rosberg. And the difference is he did not come in when Hamilton came in. And he did set fast lap on those enters. Like the, he set the fastest lap on the enters by a. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Good three seconds, three or four seconds compared to anybody else, I think. Um, but he was not fast enough to get in front of Lewis, but he was definitely fast enough to stay in front of Nico, which set up the whole latter part of the race to be as exciting as it was okay then does that lead us on to our second major talking point of rosberg versus max i guess i should use both surnames or both max versus nico is that where we're at matt yeah i think i think i think it's reasonable to to sort of go on and discuss that i mean yeah you know you can call in from the chat room we've got a phone number We'd love to hear from some of the genius commentators in our chat room. You can call us on 0115 888 
Apex. How radio is that? Uh, yeah, you'll interrupt our Skype call. I'll click OK. You'll be like, hello, hello, is anyone there? And then we'll hear the live stream in the background. We'll be like, can you can you turn your stream down, caller? Can you turn your stream down? And it'll be proper legit. So let's hope that happens. Rosberg versus Verstappen. Verstappen looked good today, didn't he, Matt? He looked real good. Yeah, you know, um, again, going back to those uh, Peter Windsor videos that you recommended, Ken, I think the particular nature of these conditions really suited his driving style. And you could see it, especially in the wet. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, uh, great point, though, about his driving style. And I got to say, like, uh, you know, n- number one, the way he defended um, is it it does. It do, I, I, I hope people aren't offended by this, but it does remind me of, of uh, Lewis Hamilton, how he's he's really conscious of being positioned correctly going into a corner and uh, through the apex, right, to um, you can, if, if, when you're really smart about where you position a car in that situation, you can uh, really control um, another driver's pace uh, through that same corner. And he is particularly good at that. But, but beyond that, I mean, what a great weekend he's had. He qualified better than his teammate. He raced. He he took advantage of the way the strategy fell into his lap, but he really executed. I mean, I, I'm wondering how many more races we see of this before people start talking more and more of him versus Daniel Ricardo at the good ship Red Bull there. Do you know what? It's when they sort of, when they, when I, sorry, they've, they've seemed to have favored Verstappen to the point now that when I heard, because I was listening only at that point in the race, that Ricardo had come in to go to Inters, I I assumed instantly that that would be the wrong decision. That's the mindset now that I'm in of how the strategy goes at Red Bull, is that if it's deliberate or not, and I'm not saying it is, Ricardo just seems to get the rubbish end of the stick. And Verstappen, though, when he's had those opportunities, boy, oh boy, has he capitalized on them. And when you talk about the internal politics of a team, everyone loves Ricardo, I'm sure. But who's the guy that's delivering right now for whatever reason? Similar at Force India, who's the guy that's delivering right now? It's Sergio Perez, Ryan. Yeah, I was uh, going to say that uh, it's not the first time we've seen such a brilliant defensive uh, performance from Verstappen. We saw this back in uh, Barcelona against Raikkonen. And even before, back when it was his first season at uh, Toro Rosso, people were likening him to be the next Ayrton Senna. And he really is starting to show on the track that he he really has those sorts of driving characteristics. Yeah, well, didn't he have that? Uh, wasn't his overtake on the outside going through Beckett's like some sort of impossible place? Yeah, it was just it was mental to see him get around there. Yeah, it was sort of like um, I think at the time when I was watching it, it was like, whoa, you don't really you, you don't. Normal people don't make that. I don't even think Hamilton or someone like that would think of doing that. It's just like these yeah. crazy sort of like, it's almost like instincts that he has, but he can just go, I'm going to position my car here and it's going to stick. It's not as if he knows it's going to stick, but he just has it in his mind. It's going to stick. And it may have seemed initially that it was all all for nothing, seeing as Rosberg got past him. But had he not held him off, 
for a long time. We're now getting news in that Rosberg has a 10-second penalty added to his race time, which puts him third. And this was, of course, we're going to get onto that for what was said on the radio. But had Verstappen not had such a robust defence, he would have he would have been far enough behind that Rosberg's penalty would once again have not penalised him. Okay, right, I mean, but that that was a team penalty. Let's be very clear. It was a team penalty for Rosberg. However, had Verstappen not held him up for that amount of time, Rosberg would have got ahead enough that the penalty would not have promoted Verstappen. What I'm saying is Verstappen earned that second place by on-track fighting, overtaking, and defensive driving. Yeah, you want to talk about something interesting? Yes, of course, please. Tires. Oh, man, okay, so I'm going to take a little break and let you uh, talk about tires. (laughs) Before you do... What? What is this booing? Oh, you two are going to talk about tyres for a few minutes, so I'm going to hand it over. But before you do, I just want to defend myself. You see, somebody, someone on Twitter said, put in a tweet, Spanners Ready ripped off a different podcast. He ripped off soundbites and other such things. And the tweet ended with, at Spanners Ready, hashtag lacks originality. Okay, so in life, sometimes it's important to stop arguing and just let the other person be wrong. Not this time. This time, if you're going to accuse me of copying stuff on a podcast, I'm at least going to respond. So when it comes to sound bites, let me just quickly say... Comment of the week. My wife. Reminiscing this and that, having such a good... Me! Oh no, you missed the... My son! And my darling daughter, I don't think, and I'm going to question them later, that they created those things first for another podcast and then allowed me to use them on Mr. Apex. But we will be having an inquiry around the dinner table tomorrow night. Go on then, talk about tyres. I'll go on mute. Right. So the funny thing about tyres, if you looked at the infographic Pirelli put out, they said they put maximum lengths of tyres. The hard was 26 laps. The medium was 28 laps and the soft 15 laps. Now go on and ask me how many laps were done. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So they, they put this thing out, which was just the biggest corporate exercise in covering their own backsides, wasn't it? Which is these are the maximum uh, laps you can do. It it must have been because you, you look at when people went on to the mediums, lap 17 for the Mercedes, lap 15 for Vevel, um, you know, uh, all of them that finished, I think only, only, uh, only Massa actually, Massa and where'd we go? Magnuson changed to softs at the end. But these tires all went much, much farther than Pirelli said they would without issue. And you just have to wonder, why did they even put those numbers up there in the first place? I'm frankly baffled unless it has something to do with the debris that ruined Sebastian Vettel's race last week. I think it has everything to do with that. I think that there was a big inquiry. They had a big argument behind closed doors. And it was a big passive aggressive move of instead of coming out with a statement of saying, it's my fault. It's our fault. It's our tire. 
they came out and said, hey guys, here's what we recommend for our tyres. And you'll notice that those numbers are less than the equivalent of what Vettel did on it. It was it was basically a big sorry, not sorry. <laughs> what do you think, Ken? Well, yeah, I, I in general, I, I agree with that. I, I what what is a little bit scary, though, is that they did come out with that number and the tires easily passed that number. The tires didn't blow up. And it just indicates that um, I, I it indicates to me that that number one, I, I think we need to go back to that making race tires is a little bit of a black art. It ends up being strings and rubber just all melded together. And there's a lot of engineering that goes into it. But uh, if you look at what Michelin has gone through with um, uh, MotoGP this year, for instance, right? They they were saying like, oh, we could come in and we could do great things for Formula One because Pirelli doesn't know, right? You know, well, in fact, that's just uh, two competitors having a little fun with each other in in reality, um, this can happen with any race tire manufacturer, and through the years, history has always shown that bad things can happen. And um, I think they're they're afraid that they're right on the edge, and they came out with these bogus numbers. To, to Ooh, help. bogus! That's a bold statement. Let's see what the rest of the internet has to say about that. You've got a major problem, Sunshine. Okay, let's talk about the last major talking point. It's great hanging out with you guys, but I do like to keep these sessions to an hour, for better or for worse. I often think that I should leave it on record and do like an extra, you know, Matt and Ken just go on the way that you do off air uh, and and just put that as a complete raw thing. Uh, But for now, uh, we've got to hone it in to the radio ban and what was said with Nico Rosberg's car. Uh, to Nico Rosberg's car. Uh, in the meantime, when you realise how much you've enjoyed yourself today, I hope you'll consider supporting the Patreon. Go to SpanishReady.com, go to the Contact Us page. On there are Patreon details. You can click the Missed Apex tab. If you want to help us keep the lights on and uh, help me go into my house with a swagger that Missed Apex is supported and not losing money, you can contribute $1 a month is what we're looking for on Patreon. So Radio Regs, Matt, they came over to Nico Rosberg he obviously had a gearbox error. They told him stuff. We all instantly went, hang on, you can't say that. Well, you can say that, but you do risk a penalty if you do. And in fact, it seemed to me, if I'm recalling the race correctly, that it wasn't just anyone saying that to Rosberg, but I think it was actually Patty Lowe came on the radio. Oh, is that to- like a step up? Is it when Patty comes on, that is serious? Well, it was serious, but I'll tell you why he came on. In my opinion, it was because Mercedes knew all along they were going to have a serious fight on their hands, that they were they were not happy with these regulations, and they'd been not happy with the regulations. And the FIA's response has basically been to say, you think you're not happy now? This has been a honeymoon. Now we're going to get serious about this, and we're going to penalize the crap out of anyone. And the only thing you can really say is, it's a critical situation or retire the car, which is not at all what Mercedes said. They did say it was a critical situation, mm-hmm. told him to change a chassis setting, and then they told him to avoid seventh gear. And that wound yeah. up being, I think, the major problem for them no. as far as the stewards were concerned. I don't think so. I don't quite think it was there. It was, they said, avoid seventh gear. And then Rosberg was like, well, how can I avoid seventh gear? It's a sequ- sequential gearbox. I've got to go through 
Gear 7? Like, what are you telling me? Avoid 7th Gear. I can't skip it. And the reply came back, yes, that's right. Just shift straight through it. And that is what I think the penalty was for. Can you're nodding, so that me... Uh, Ryan, gone. Was that, am I right? Yeah, but I think it was more to do with the fact that the regulation says is if it was uh, against safety or something was... If this was going to happen, it could end up someone was going to get killed or someone could get injured from something that was going to happen. But it was a mechanical failure. Certainly so was. I don't... Th- I think that the fact that they were pretty much just saying that they need to, you need to do this on the dashboard and all this to get it back to work... Um, he wasn't allowed to, he wasn't meant to do that as well. Ken, do you agree with the young commentator from Slough, presumably, by the sound of him? <laughs> no, you know what? I wanted to disagree with my American friend in that the impression that I got actually is that I think the teams, and it might be just only Mercedes, were gearing up to have this uh, fist fight with the FIA. And I have a feeling that... Um, that the FIA may have been prepared for this uh, as well. And that if we look at what the penalty is, in this case, it was rather calculated, I thought. And if it was Patty Lowe that was on the radio, it was calculated at a very high level. And that's why he stood up to this. But a 10-second penalty, right? Rosberg is still on the podium. Yep. Um, and so he still gets the majority of the points. Uh, and And what I'm seeing there is that if the FIA wanted to lay down a hard line, a marker, thou shalt never do this, then they would have disqualified um, Rosberg, right? Or stripped mm-hmm. him of all points or and the team of all points. That didn't happen. It's 10, it's 10 seconds, right? You know what I mean? So okay, they're I'm, walking away with a bunch of points. I'm getting an angry message from Ahan Fosi, and this might be related to what you're going to say, which is saying, well, why did, the, why did they take the risk today and not in Baku? Go on, Matt, you get it. Go on, go on. Let Ryan answer that. Go on, Ryan, you answer that. I think that the Baku was sort of a bit like uh, uh, Hamilton came to a exam and didn't revise sort of thing. It was sort (laughs) of like... Rosberg, they said that Rosberg had the exact same problem, but he sorted it out almost instantly. But Hamilton had str- struggled. So obviously what happened must have been a problem that they w- they knew about, so they should have been able to sort it out quickly. Oh man, the ham folks are going to eat you alive. Okay, no, I'm not. No, 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 no. The, the, the explanation is too long and we went over it. We went over it last week. I'm not going there uh, again. Ryan, you're a dead man. All That's all I got to say. People are going to be jumping all over you. But no, I want to answer that question though because I, I it's a fair question and well perhaps a fair question but point being is that i i i don't think it was baku probably raised the issue as to where is the line when is it that we can help out a driver and then sergio perez tossing it into the barriers hard right when his brakes completely failed i i really think that that's what prompted this uh, behind the scenes discussion and Mercedes took the opportunity to go ahead and pull the trigger and um, see how close they can dance to the line of helping their driver on the radio. Right. So I have two more things to bring up. One is if you read the actual stewards report, it says clearly that some of the information Mercedes gave to Rosberg was permitted. Yes. And the other thing is they were and they were interviewing Horner about it. And he was like, they're being, you know, he was banging on about Mercedes. But then they said, well, what do you think of the rule? He goes, I think the rule is utter rubbish. 
So I think there's probably mm-hmm. a lot of support yeah. in, in, in the pit lane for this rule to be significantly revised. But if you're going to be a hard ass about it, mechanical failure is what would have happened to him. It would not have put his life in any immediate danger. And by giving him the information, by giving him the information, he was able to finish the race and be on the podium. The penalty bears no resemblance. It was like such a risk-free decision for Mercedes at this point. And I think it's worth bearing that in mind. Mm -hmm. While my driver finishes a race or they don't finish, if they exclude him, it's like he didn't finish. And we were already looking at that anyway. Okay, I'm not going to go into it now, but DK Wilson brings up something I'd heard somewhere else, which is that there is an added penalty if you get back-to-back 10-second penalties, that there's some sort of cumulative effect. Uh, we talked offline. Ryan, are you hearing this? Is that a real thing? Um, I know it's uh, about uh, grid penalties, where if you aren't a, where you get given a grid penalty and you get sent back but don't serve your full grid penalty, it carries on to your next race event. But I've not heard about the 10-second time penalty. Okay, guys, guys, we we are going to move on. We are going to move on because we want to get to the podium. Uh, 60 seconds or so for any other business. Can we just list the cars that went off at turn one at Abbey in that, in that malicious puddle? Uh, I think we had, let me see, Max Verstappen twice. Alonso, absolutely great off there. Uh, Harianto, Sainz, um, I think Bottas might... No, uh, Alonso went off and then he came back. He, he he then wrestled Bottas, who ended up getting punted off at the next turn. And then he had a great scrap with Nazar, actually. And that's the kind of racing that Silverstone can deliver. It, it's a beautiful track to go and watch racing through the series. Go on, Matt. You left off Hamilton. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, did he? Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, he did. Oh, my Obviously gosh. Obviously, Verline. I was never worried. I was never worried. Uh, Verline, and, I think Verstappen did as well. Uh, and what- wasn't Perez uh, big time sideways? Yeah. Too. Yeah. Science had Science. an amazing power slide through turn one. It yeah. was a beautiful thing to watch. So it really did offer up a challenge that turn one. It was amazing. The back ends were just snapping and just pushing them left. And I think some dealt with it better than others. It looked like that you guys were about to jump in. No, don't worry. Uh, another thing was Vettel pulled off a Rosberg on Massa, a near identical move, uh, where this time uh, Massa didn't turn into the right and both of them just ended up in the. Um, in the runoff area, and at least Vettel had the good grace to pretend that it was an understeer moment in the sort of Hamilton Canada way <laughs> and Hamilton Austin way. Oh yeah, I had understeer, completely gutted. Didn't mean to push him, yeah, off. and he did get a penalty for it. Vettel well. got a penalty. Yeah, he did. Two points. Two, Two points. But you know, again, if you look at it, Vettel was fully off the track as well, so yeah. it was a much <laughs> more convincing understeer moment than some of the previous ones we've seen. Oh, quickly, do we think uh, Rosberg risks a gearbox penalty in the next race? Because he finished the race, therefore he would have to change it before the race weekend. Is it a risk? Yes, I think it is. And it's a bit of a, it's not particularly great considering he had a new box in uh, Austria as well. It's always a risk when things go wrong, but it's likely to have been an actuator problem, which is hydraulic. And it's important to remember that they can change both the dog rings and the gears as well without incurring penalties. So they're going to be able to open up that gearbox and look for damage. Okay, we're going to, before going to the podium, we'll give the last word to the chat room. Gary, who we've not seen in the chat room before, 
You've been amazing, mate. It's ridiculous that they make the most complicated formula that F1 has ever had and then take away all troubleshooting capabilities of the engineers. It's like they're gearing up the drivers to fail. Certainly seems like that. Uh, MG, yes, high-speed tracks like Silverstone, mechanical failures can be dangerous. Uh, Fat Hippo says, of course he forgot Lewis at turn one. All right, all right. We know I'm a Lewis fan. Leave me alone. <laughs> For goodness sake. Uh, Epilepto says Signs had some great control when his back end snapped out of line. Yeah, I'm getting nods from the panel there. And Signal Trowel, it's also ridiculous that the stewards keep having to give final results after the races have finished. When it's that close to the end of the race, I suppose we'd rather they, they took 20 minutes to get the result right. Yeah, but it's even worse than that because I think Mercedes is appealing. And if they do that, these results won't be final until the appeal is actually heard. Let's move on to the podium. You know this bit. This is the bit where I ask you what you think was good or bad. And yes, I did steal this from a podcast from Frog Pants Studio Film Sack. Scott Johnson's network, Frog Pants Studio. Check that out. He is podcasting uh, and my absolute hero. So I will definitely from time to time steal stuff from him. I'm stalling because I can't find the bit in the show notes, even though it's the same as uh, it is every week. But this bit, let's say, is brought to you by SpannersReady.com. Why not go and look at the articles, we now have race reviews from a guy called Stephen Williams. He's young. He seems to know what he's doing. Hippo also writes rants. They're borderline litigious, but hey, I find them entertaining. Fortis is on there. The antithesis. Is that the opposite of? Of Hippo, a, a Hamfosi, a, a Lewis Hamilton fan uh, that does not hide his Lewis Hamilton fandom. And Carlo Coluccio with his fantastic F1 history. And every week, why not join me for... Spanners bets, where I tell you my gambling for the week. And I pretend that I only put six pounds on it as well. Matt. You left out Carlo yelling at clouds. Oh, he definitely yells at clouds. <laughs> I love that. Someone on Reddit. It's just an old man yelling at clouds. <laughs> no, it's that's not a that's not a bug, that's a feature. That that's that's what he does. Okay, so yeah, so Carlo Coluccio is well worth it. We have two articles on the British Grand Prix history coming up over the next few days as well, so go and check check that out oh and guys it's great when you find this on the website and press play but why not subscribe on itunes and your podcatcher of choice and then you'll always have it delivered to your device that's the only reason it's not because that helps our stats okay so who was your thing of the weekend matt trumpets mm, well if it's a thing and not a person it can be I, anything I'm, oh man verstappen yes it's hard to argue i'm gonna have to think of something else quickly ryan um, I'm guessing, uh, Alonso. What? Uh, well, because the fact that... It oh, was this is going to take a while. I, I don't know. For the first time, it, the, the McLaren actually looked racy trying it to overtake racy, yeah. a Williams. Uh, I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton. It was, uh, it was a great performance. He was faster when he needed to be. And that Saturday, um, Q3 performance pressures on, it was classic. He's in the zone and, uh, he pulled through. It was a critical race that he needed to win. It's not always a guarantee. And he did it. And on pure pace, that's what he won on, wasn't it? Just pure pace. That was the lesson of the weekend, that round Silverstone in changeable conditions, Lewis Hamilton's just a little bit faster. My thing of the week is Mark Webber. He has surprised me. He is an excellent orator. He is an excellent commentator. And he made he made my, my couple of hours watching the race fun. So thanks to him. Oh, no. 
Who missed the apex, Matt Trumpets? Uh, McLaren strategist. Care to extemporize? Yeah, it's going to be related to my daddy. I want a pony award. So I'm afraid to extemporize too much. But suffice to say that their decision to leave a certain driver out well beyond everybody else on the enters <laughs> did not sit well. Uh, Ryan said driver at all. You might have stolen my uh, pony award. Uh, Ryan, who missed the uh, apex? Oh, missed the apex. Uh, I think it was Williams. Just in general. Uh, yeah, because it seemed that they just all went backwards instead of forwards. You should definitely go forwards. It's car racing. Ken, you agree that things should go forwards? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great choice by Ryan because I am a secret Williams fan. But um, I'll go with um, the Ferrari team. Or I could choose a particular driver and it would be Vettel for uh, struggling, not able to maximize. Uh, but I, 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 to be fair to him, I'll go with Ferrari, the team in general. They just didn't have the pace and they had the budget. They don't have the pace. Okay, and my missed Apex award goes to Eddie Jordan for just being weird. You're just being weird. You sound like a crazy old man. Matt, who gets the pony award for petulance? Daddy, I want a pony. I'm just going to hand it over to you this week. Sorry, I was so excited to get in because it was Alonzo, of course, who wanted his enters and he wanted them now. You have ruined my race. You've ruined everything. Oh, he, 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 he had, he had rather go at the team for leaving him out on the inters too long. He was very frustrated by that. And that was even before he drove, he, he had to run his joker lap into the gravel and back out. Fair enough. Okay, guys. Um, well, do you know what? You're mean. Why are you picking on Alonso? We can't really leave without getting your opinion on booing, Matt. Rosberg got booed. Hamilton got booed in Austria. Do you care? You didn't care in Austria. Do you care now? Well, look, like it or not, fans in Austria might have had some reason to boo Hamilton because they may have felt that Hamilton ran Rosberg off the track and crashed him. Particularly if you're in the grandstands, impossible to know what's going on, really, I would have to say. Here, what did Rosberg do? He drove around the track. He didn't break any rules. He didn't drive into anybody. No one drove into him. Why are you booing the man? I mean, look, maybe they were booing the FIA <laughs> maybe. For, for the radio regulations or the safety car start. Fair enough. Booing the officials, always okay if you disagree with the call. But here, I don't see the point in booing Rosberg. I feel like British fans should have been better than that. Boo, Ryan. Yeah, I think one thing that I found funny about that was almost that Hamilton hinted to it because he said, um, so so what have you enjoyed this weekend then, Hamilton? And he's like, oh, I think it was great being at the British fans. You know, we've had no booing. And then they just went, so Rosberg, what do you think? Boo! <laughs> but to me, yeah, Hamilton, I think, was trying to kind of head it off and go, like, maybe you should have Ken, I know your feelings. I know you think that it was not in order. It was out of order. Well, and uh, again, I'll disagree with my uh, with yourself. American oh. uh, compatriot in that um, I, I don't think the Austrian fans were justified in booing. I, it's just 
in general, it's inappropriate. If a, if a driver's on the podium, unless we have the weirdness of like Schumacher mm. driving into Villeneuve or uh, something that's just uh, obvious and dastardly, there's, there is no justification in general. Uh, Formula One is too competitive. The guys are too talented. And uh, if you're at the track, it's a great pleasure to see uh, performance at that level. So I, I don't see any reason for... Uh, fans at any track to be doing that but hey perhaps i'm just not that bright of a guy somebody tell me if i'm wrong it's possible matt penultimate statement from you well i was going to both agree and disagree with you there because the the point i was making about hamilton there was that when we boo athletes and performances it only at least for me it's only acceptable if it's poor sportsmanship plain and simple And at least in Austria, there was a collision and the fans may have had reason to suspect there was poor sportsmanship involved. But I agree with you with in terms of performance. Most times it's not poor sportsmanship. It's just what happens when you're on that limit like that for so long. I I honestly unpredictable. I honestly think that there's there's a British culture, a British subculture of not necessarily motorsport fans, but fans that spend a lot of time at rainy days in cricket. A lot of a lot of fans who spend their times in grubby stands in Colchester and Swindon and Bristol where booing is just pantomime. It's part of um, it's just part of our sort of British sporting way of life. And if I had to sort of ask, do you think that the British fans had any hateful intent towards Nico Rosberg today were they baying for his blood going you you silly bugger you I I don't think so I think there was there was a pantomime about it I I was there in 2013 and as soon as now see you Americans you don't know the hurt of being beaten by Germans a lot you know uh, football uh, Schumacher Vettel 2013, when Vettel pulled up uh, on the start-finish straight, as soon as his car stopped, everyone just stood up and went, Boo! Anytime Shane Warne appeared on a cricket pitch in the ashes, Boo! I have booed at karaoke when a guy there who actually thought he was good-looking was like, I'm too sexy for my love. I'm like, no! Boo! And I think, I just, I don't think that... The rest of the world might see it as, oh, those hateful British fans. But I'm, I'm just not sure it was quite like that. You can find Matt at MattPT55. Definitely follow him. This guy is my podcasting brother, you know, but, you know, more like a dad, really, in age-wise. <laughs> follow everything Matt does. Uh, he's an absolutely fantastic podcaster. He's also on Dad Hub Podcast with me and e-radio show. Uh, Ryan Ferret, Ferris is also on e-radio show with me. Follow him at... Ferret one one five, it not et. Follow Vortex Mortio. I'm getting good at this. Vortex Mortio. He is actually a really good guy to follow during the race. I love watching his conversations, even though he always seems to to disagree with everything I say. Why do you disagree with everything I say? So it's Vortex it's Mortio. Because I love you. <laughs> it's Vortex. It's Mortio, and there's no I, so it's just oh, hang on. You spell it. Uh, there's no uh, R, so it's uh, in, in motio. So it's V-O-R-T-E-X-M-O-T-I-O, baby. You can even follow me on the Twitter. I'm occasionally on there having the odd ding-dong battle at Spanners Ready. I'm also at www.spannersready.com. Hey, if things are going bad, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This is Miss Apex.
Senior Trowel in the chat room backs me up. There was one person at Sea of Hull on Saturday wearing shoes. All 3,000 of us booed him. You know, we needed one more person on the panel. What, to, to decide? No, so we so they could have picked Force India for Thing of the Weekend. Yeah, yeah. Just, that's, right. just, that's just how it rolls. We can't... We can't cover all the bases, but we can boo at Ryan for being young and happy. Boo! <laughs> and predictably, we've forgotten comment of the week. Uh, thanks to Senior Trial for pointing that out. If this sounds like we've panicked and pressed record at the end of the show, it's because we have. Comment of the week. What is it, Matt? Well, it's actually a conversation. It's a tie between MG5904 and the Carta 72. MG5904 says they make fences for dogs like that, discussing track limits. Cholera emits a shock when the dog passes over a buried electrical line, to which the Carta 72 replies, electrified Hans devices. Comment of the Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.